Hello, all. Warren Williams here with the October 2023 Food Literacy Podcast episode. Just a brief trailer and introduction here. Uh, plenty of things are happening, uh, particularly with Chicago Gross Food. We're really excited about the season we had. And we are undergoing a planning and discussion process with new programs and ideas coming to the fore. We look forward to bringing those things to you in future episodes leading into and through the 2024 growing season. We look forward to having guests again uh, in the upcoming episodes, particularly guests that come from organizations with whom we partner. So look forward to that. But again, look forward to the evolution of our podcast series, providing you information about the food literacy universe that includes growing, production, eating, cooking, nutrition, all of that. So stay tuned. More to come. And thank you for your support. Peace. Hello, all. Good morning afternoon or evening, depending upon what time you're listening to this October 2023 Food Literacy Podcast. I'm Warren Williams, the Food Systems Coordinator for the Chicago Partnership for Health Promotion, a program out of the Office of Community Engagement and Neighborhood Health Partnerships at UIC, the Executive Director of the Center for Urban Transformation, Chicago, and the co-host and co-producer with soil enthusiast and soil scientist, Dr. Akila Martin. One of the topics I want to cover today is nutrient density. That's a complex topic, to be sure. And, of course, we're not going to delve into the complexities here. It's way beyond the scope of our little podcast series here. Uh, And, um, you know, when you really look into it, they talk about more than uh, fruits and vegetables in terms of nutrient density profiles uh, that covers, um, you know, the, the 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 food universe, if you will. But we're going to talk just a little bit about um, green leafy vegetables and how they fit into that profile. And according to some of the research that we uncovered as we were putting the program together, uh, the Piedmont Master Gardeners list green leafy vegetables as the most nutrient-dense vegetables available. And I've heard that before and and subscribe to that and actually integrate that into what we grow in our garden. Uh, and, you know, and what I'm saying is in terms of planting next year's garden, you may want to think in terms of nutrient density and being foundational to your planning. So I urge you to go to the site and check out the sources for the article for more information using our preliminary plan for our home garden here. uh, The vast majority of what we'll grow next year will be green leafy vegetables. We got into some more kind of exotic things and not necessarily even exotic, but uh, for example, for a couple of years, we have not been satisfied with our yields in terms of squash and some of those things. 
and they take up a lot of room. And we think that in terms of nu- nutrition bang for the buck, we will get more out of utilizing the space that we have to grow uh, more nutrient-dense things like collards and kales and you know uh, green leafy vegetables. So that will be our focus. And next year, I think we're going to grow probably 85, 90, 95% of what we do will be green leafy vegetables. That doesn't mean we won't have a tomato plant or two and we'll continue to grow peppers and some of those things. And definitely we'll be growing herbs, but we'll talk more about uh, sort of what our crop profile and plan will be in later episodes. So stay tuned for that. Uh, I guess the, the best key word in terms of the topic area is just simply nutrient density. And again, you're going to get flooded with a wealth of information. That includes information about the nutrient density profile of uh, things other than fruits and vegetables or produce. So um, check it out. Another topic for our listeners will be season extension. And, you know, it's that time of year. Uh as I sit here, it's in the 50s and it's been cool and, you know, fall is upon us. Uh, and so I want to offer a reminder that the general term means completely different things depending upon how season extension is applied. What I mean by that is now in the fall, what we're really talking about is protecting the plant that you may want to carry on through the winter or harvest periodically during the winter period, which is a dormant period for plants. Technically, plants do not grow during this time of year and into the winter. What they really do is overwinter. And, um, you know, like I said, they're they're dormant uh, for the most part. They're not dead. They will die if you don't protect them and... Um, they get cold enough to damage the cellular structure, that's when um, you might as well just forget about that particular plant for the season. So um, that's what we're going to deal with this time of year in terms of season extension. Because plants, again, they're not going to grow because of reduced sunlight and daylight and shorter days and colder temperatures and all those variables will call that cause them to uh, become dormant. But they are available for you to harvest during the season if you so desire. The other feature in this is, um, and something we're going to test with some seedlings that were generously started by our partners um, and Malcolm Evans and, and Tracy Williams on our team at Urban Growers Collective is they're going to be pretty young plants. We're going to see if we can protect them through the winter and um, see how they fare and see if they will, uh, when conditions in the spring, which is when things are going to grow, because of why? Because the daylight increases, the temperatures are warming, all of the conditions that um, signal it's time to grow are kicking in. So we want to see if they have an earlier start even because they were started in the fall, they were protected 
through the winter and we want to see if they're going to indeed grow in the spring and give us an even earlier start than we would get if we started seed uh, in the spring. So we're, we, we will report on that uh, next year as well. So season extension, two components. Fall is protecting um, any crops that you want to protect uh, during the winter months. And then the spring, it's getting an earlier start uh, in terms of getting your crops going for uh, what will be the 2024 growing season. So, yeah, so that's that's that. But uh, um, the, the word season seems to be a central theme for us. And so one of the things we want to uh, feature, and again, I, I want to point everybody to the show notes, is that uh, we want to talk to you a bit about uh, and have you think about uh, seasonality and seasonal eating, if you will. According to an article on masterclass.com, seasonal eating involves eating produce at peak ripeness. Every crop has different temperature, light, and moisture requirements. And for most agricultural history, farmers grew plants according to seasonal rhythms. And you, um, therefore, because you ate from a food environment that was local or regional, you only had things available during certain times of the year. Industrial agriculture, though, has made it possible to eat most fruits and vegetables year-round by growing them in things like greenhouses or uh, harvesting fruits before they ripen, storing them for long periods, then artificially ripening produce at any time of the year. This convenience comes at a price. Produce grown out of season is often less nutritious and less favorable. And I can attest to that. I know I cringe when I go to a meeting or event in the depth of winter here in Chicago and there on the table is a breakfast, in air quotes, with a selection of summer fruit piled into a bowl of cantaloupe, honeydew, etc. And in a word, the fruit is horrible. It has no taste, obviously unripened. Further, I think it contributes to people not liking certain produce items. One of my colleagues mentioned recently that his favorite fruit growing up on the West Coast was honeydew, but now he is always disappointed because what is available via the industrial food system never measures up to what he experienced growing up. And this is a sentiment I share, and again, you know, the the example I cited about, um, you know, the breakfast at these events with out-of-season produce is just, like, ridiculous, right? But, you know, so that's another reason why you want to consider staying seasonal. And so in the show notes, you'll find a a bit more information about seasonal eating, and you'll also find a uh, website where you can go and see what's seasonal where you are, whether it's here in Chicagoland or elsewhere. Uh, if you happen to be listening in another part of the country or the world, for that matter, check it out. I mean, you know, now's the time for apples and pears and, you know, some of those sorts of things. So, uh, but another benefit of eating seasonally is cost. Uh, and let me show you a little example is a container 
of organic strawberries in the wintertime, and oftentimes they're not even available in the wintertime, is like can be like eight or nine bucks. The same container of strawberries when they are in season, and as the season gets going in spring, early summer uh, of the year, that same thing, oftentimes, even at a higher price <laughs> uh, store, I ain't going to mention no names, but you can get three uh, of the same containers for 10 bucks as the season rolls out. And even now, as the season is winding down, there's still 3 to $5 uh, for a container of organic strawberries. That won't be the case soon. But alas, take the opportunity to experience uh, frozen strawberries or berries, you know, for whatever um, smoothie or whatever you want to uh, use them for. Uh, perfectly good alternative to your fresh produce. So, um, and the price is within reason. And so save yourself a few dollars by thinking and eating seasonally, and using, when necessary, frozen produce. So just a tip that we wanted to share with our folks because we want to make sure that people are eating and um, have a healthier diet and diet outcome and quality and all that stuff. And we also want to make sure people are saving money as they buy food. The other topic we wanted to share with you is, uh, you know, putting an episode together and something we've been uh, kind of studying for a while now is the whole topic of ultra-processed foods. And again, you know, a real deep dive on the topic uh, is beyond the scope of our little podcast because uh, we try to keep things short and reasonable, and we want to allow you, the listener, to um, use your skill set in terms of getting into uh, situations where you look up and research and uh, gather more information on your own. The topic has some controversies, of course. I mean, all this food stuff is can be rather confusing. You know, I saw a conference video once that was kind of hilarious on one hand and sad on the other, where the doctors said a couple of doctors who, uh, the experts, uh, you know, were going back and forth about nuts. And of course, one thought that, you know, you were, if you're subscribing or suggesting that your patients eat nuts, then you were contributing to their uh, poor diet quality. And, of course, the other doctor was suggesting that nuts um, had a real healthy place in um, uh, a healthy diet. So, you know, I mean, that's the kind of stuff you get. So nothing different here with processed food. But, uh, again, the show notes, we've got, uh, I think, some information that you will find useful in terms of making some decisions on your own. I mean, the bottom line is, uh, ultra-processed foods are uh, associated with negative outcomes and something that you want to uh, avoid when you can. Um, one of the simplest and most elegant definitions I saw for uh, ultra-processed foods is 
anything that you can't produce in your kitchen at home because of all of the inputs, the artificial this and the chemical that and all that kind of stuff. You're not going to make these things at your house. Another thing that leaped out at me during uh, my research for uh, this episode, as somebody said, well, uh, you question whether we even want to call ultra-processed food food. So um, that's for you to decide. But take a look at the show notes again. I have a inserted a very nice um, panel discussion uh, from the Center for Food as Medicine uh, as well. Uh, it's about an hour or so. Uh, so if you have the time to, 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 to look through that or or kind of get through it and, and, and listen to what they have to say, I think you'll find it useful. Beyond that, the uh, also in the show notes, the National Institute of Health and National Library of Health provides a pretty low-key, but I think important scientific review of the topic. So uh, again, check it out. Make some decisions on your own. But again, uh, I think, and I know I try to avoid ultra-processed foods, and I think you'll find that that might be a wise thing to do. Of course, on the gardening front, we, you know, we're doing food literacy, but we started off as being a garden education podcast project. So what we've done, though, is you'll find the link in the show notes to the October 22 episode, uh, which gives you a lot of information about uh, things that you might want to be considering doing here in October and into the fall. Uh, and we've also included a link and uh, or two, uh, one of them being a video with myself and uh, our good friend Robert Johnson on season extension, the workshop that we did last year that was co-produced by Chicago's Food and Chicago Partnership for Health Promotion at UIC. I also included some more general information from the Illinois Extension website um, and invite you when you go there to scroll down and um, look at the keywords if you want to expand your search about season extension. Uh, and as we mentioned earlier, you know, there's two components to that. So um, get all the information you can and... Um, you know, apply season extension if and when you want to, um, either at the end of the season or uh, beginning of the season to get your 2024 season jump started. I don't have much more than that now. Um, I know people uh, have enough uh, to do. And sometimes I cringe when I'm doing research or on YouTube or whatever, and, you know, there's somebody with two and three hour <laughs> podcasts, and I'm going like, the topic sounds interesting, but I don't want to listen to two or three or four or how many ever people, um, you know, talking about a topic for like uh, two or three hours when we want to get to the critical information that made me want to tune into your podcast. Uh, so anyway, uh, we're keeping it short and sweet here. Um, we'll have some lengthier stuff coming up. Uh, again, um, we encourage you to reach out 
My email will be in the show notes as well. Let us know uh, some of the things you want to hear coming up in November and December and into uh, 2024 that will help you get started in terms of your garden or things that you would like to get more information about in terms of food, food literacy, nutrition, whatever the case may be. Also, real quick, if you'd like to reach out to me about programs that um, Chicago Partnership for Health Promotion has for communities, again, hit me up by email and go to the website, which I will also put into the show notes. Contact us and we will route you to the correct intervention uh, for the services that we provide. So um, that's all I got for now. I want to thank you as always for taking the time to listen to the October 2023 Food Literacy Podcast and all our podcasts. So I'm Oren Williams, signing out. Peace.